Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 4th, 2019, and there is a lot going on today. A lot going on on all fronts, a lot that we should talk about. We should talk about Nader and how he came back to the U.S. after he fled last year. We should talk about What's going on in the United Kingdom and what's really happening tomorrow there? We should visit Barr's trips to Alaska. The fact that Bolton was sitting in on the meeting with May. But we should also talk about confirmation hearings that are happening, that no one's talking about, that are very, very important. Now that is coming up in the second hour. So in the first hour, let's talk about pertinent news, right? Things people want to talk about, things people want to hear about. So we know that yesterday uh, it was announced that they're going to be discussing obstruction of justice. The House wants to discuss obstruction of justice. Do they really? Did you all see who they invited? They invited the man who one would equate to Cohen. If you're going for similes uh, in regards to what is happening with the Russia hoax, with the coup. It's very interesting. We also have to remember that next week... There is a vote being held in the House to hold Attorney General Barr in content of Congress. Now, it's pretty interesting that they would do something like that. Again, my congressman said something very interesting on that. So let's start there. Let's start with the House not only opening up discussions to find ways to initiate, this is what they call a survey for impeachment. See, we don't have to do one when we file impeachment charges for Barack Hussein Obama. That's going to come on its own. It's inevitable. We don't need a survey. We've got the evidence. They need a survey, and they need to ask questions to pony show to the people and say, look at what President Trump did, kind of like Nixon, makes you feel almost like Watergate was a hoax too. Uh, So take a listen to what Kelly Armstrong says on the first note, which is holding our attorney general in content of Congress because he did not break the law to comply with their request. Listen. 
So I, I'm just going to do this really quickly. Uh, Professor Shaw, if Attorney General Barr would have would have provided a complete non-redacted report, would he have violated the law? I, mean, I think the law protects grand jury material. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Rosenweig, do you agree with that? I agree, though I would say that nothing in the, in the statute prevents him from asking a court for permission to provide that Rule 60 material. I agree with that, but nothing in the, sta nothing in the statute or our authority compels him to do that. And a subpoena surely doesn't compel him to go to court. A subpoena surely does not compel him to go to court. Um, Professor Kinkoff, do you agree with that? Sure. Okay. That is all you need to know. Number one, if he would have complied, he would have broken the law. Number two... Um, he, the subpoena doesn't mandate that he goes to a court and says overrule rule 16 and overrule all the federal laws governing grand juries and sealed indictments so that I can comply with the request. So in essence, if the subpoena doesn't force him or mandate him to go to court to ask for an overrule on existing laws to make Congress happy, and because providing whatever Congress wanted to make them happy isn't against the law, how are you holding him in contempt again? Kelly Armstrong nailed it. I love Kelly. Period. On that only. Like, I am so proud that I can actually call him my congressman. And, you know, I stomp for him, so hey. Um, this is really, really important, you guys. Those are the two things. To find someone in contempt, you have to say that they are not complying with the law because the law protects the request, right? If the law protects the request, meaning you come to me and you're compelling me for information. Let's pretend you want my tax returns. Now, the law says in order for you to compel me to give you my tax returns, you got to be the IRS or I've got to be a person of an audit or something has to have happened. Like you have to have a need to know. You can't just compel me. The law says so. So me not complying with that request means that I'm in my legal right to do so unless you can get a court that says that you're entitled to my tax records, right? Or that they will oversee, overrule that law that protects me so that you can get it. You can't just say, well, I'm in charge. I want it. That's not the way it goes. There are laws in place. This is the same thing. There are laws in place to cover grand jury and sealed indictments, correct? So what Congress said is, we don't care about the law. You're going to comply with us because we're more powerful than the law. Are you getting this? So the, the bar, AG Barr says, well, you know, I can't because the law says I can't give it to you. Well, we've subpoenaed you. That subpoena doesn't mean, hey, AG Barr, you better go to the court and tell the court to let you give it to us. Uh, that's not how it works. What Congress has to do is go to a court and have the court itself on the question of Congress, so Nadler has to take his eyebrow, messed up eyebrow self, file a case, and ask the court to compel the attorney general to break the law. That's the only way you can get what you want. You can't hold him in contempt because the law doesn't cover you for contempt. You want something, Nadler. You need to take your messed up eyebrow self, walk to a court, and demand that the court compel the AG to break the law because then that falls on that judge and the judge will then ask you why do you need him to give you this you need to demonstrate 
the severity of the issue for me to violate the law. Mm. So there's number one on the Democrat agenda. How to break the law because we said so. So they're above the law. What did Pelosi say? No one's above the law. What did Clinton tweet out? No one is above the law, but yet what? The House is? This is where the meat of the situation is. So that's number one on the House agenda of the garbage that they're spewing. And, you know, I was really proud to see uh, the notification that, uh, you know, was received by the House. And Kelly Armstrong, and I tweeted that out yesterday, received uh, notice of hearing time 2 p.m. Monday, June 10th, 2019. And it says subjects. Lessons from the Mueller report, presidential obstruction and other crimes by director of the chairman. Kelly Armstrong crossed it out and said, just call it impeachment and tweeted that out. This is what they're doing. And here's the deal. You have to look at who they're bringing in to testify. Now, I wasn't alive at the time of the Nixon thing, but I can tell you, I watched that as a kid, you know, on replay, reading things, discussions in history class, you know, little documentaries, reading microfilms. Yes, those still exist, but I did back then. I was a bit of a nerd. But the reason that it intrigued me, we were we were we were actually looking at um some corrupt practices in Virginia back in the Lincoln times. I remember this in school and I was maybe 11 and we were going through history class about the civil war and slaves and all this stuff and um, you know, how it seemed really corrupt, how they were working, how the Democrats wanted slaves and the Republicans didn't want slaves. And, you know, I was looking at the corruption and I was kind of just looking at framing presidents doing this. Like Abraham Lincoln didn't care if he was going to die. He was going to do what was right because it was morally correct. And so when I was looking into that, for some reason, on the bookshelf, as looking through it, there was something on Watergate. I was 11. So this was way above anything someone can conceive when, they're st- when they still have baby teeth, right? So I remember pulling that book out, and it was one of the newer type books. And it was at the public library in Manhattan. And I was going to meet with my dad to go to my favorite store that had like science experiment stuff, like chemistry sets and stuff like that. Anyway, and FAO Schwartz, of course. Uh, So I was sitting in the library waiting for him. um, And I remember opening this book and I was just reading through some of the stuff, you know, like there was testimony in this and I was like, oh my God, it sounds like they framed him. Like who framed Roger Rabbit type thing. Like it was like a complete frame. I was waiting for the guy to pull the mask off and actually be the cartoon in there. And one of those players was John Dean. John Dean that was the lawyer of the president and based on his words, yep, he told me good job on fixing it, was all they needed to start pushing on impeachment. John Dean, the snake. And guess who the House invited? John Dean. Now, you know who would be great to talk about this and not even refer to President Trump? Because, you know, they like to gag people when they talk. Is Roger Stone. 
That was the first time I encountered a quote by Roger Stone. He seemed like just a really, uh, how would I say it? A cool cat. Can I say that? With fancy socks. He was a very eccentric guy, but his quote in that book was, you know, what rang, and it was so small. He said, well, if you can't see what really happened in Watergate now, then you're not going to see it now, and they're definitely not going to let you see it tomorrow. Something along those lines. Because that, I've used that quote over and over again in my life as... You know, someone saying, well, I don't see this. Well, if you didn't see it then and you can't see it now, you're definitely not going to see it tomorrow. So there's no point in having this conversation. That's how I read that into that. Now, uh, you know, I would have I would love to pick his brain on Watergate. This is huge. And the fact that the president was referring to Watergate indicates that they're doing exactly what we want them to do. You took the bait and you ran with it. Mueller's never going to come. Because he wants his pension. Mueller's never going to come. Because if he does, he will be on that barge off the coast hoping that he sits on land at Gitmo. He's never going to come. So instead, they're going to tell you a story. They're going to tell you how this has happened before and they're educated on this and how they know how to deal with this and if it happened to Nixon, it happened to them. But the thing is, could this stunt actually reveal portions of Watergate? For those of you that were alive back then, for those of you that like me who just read about it and said, I don't know, man, it doesn't really stick. For those of you that are questioning, did Nixon really do something wrong? This move in today's era with what we've seen in this Russia hoax only gives merit to that question. So you already know what the answer is. They are desperate. They are desperate to stop him. But you know, today... After his joint speech with Theresa May, he made it clear of where he's going tomorrow. And that has probably got the Democrats foaming at the mouth. And I'll elaborate on that later on in the show. Because tomorrow, people are like, oh, he's going and it's going to be like for D-Day. And nope. See, the thing is, a lot of people don't understand how intelligence networks work how there are agencies one of the 17 that have absolutely no federal employees none zero zilch nada none of them one agency with the biggest budget of an intelligence agency the biggest one that you never hear about It has zero federal employees except for directors, which are kind of like point of contact, right? Just so you understand how huge this agency is, this agency has no actual record of any employee. 
not employee, contractor, that has a contract in place with no end date, but just a hire date in any database. It was in fact after 9-11. Well, or shall I say in in anticipation? Would that be too ugly to say in anticipation of 9-11? Were they actually forced? That agency was actually forced to create a database with names, date of birth, social security numbers, place of birth, place of citizenship, and what countries they are assigned to. This agency was forced to create this database in anticipation of 9-11. In anticipation. And that's a really hard word to say, and I'll let it sit right there. We'll revisit that agency in the second hour. So what people need to understand is that this goes beyond any, I would say, how do you say, ability for an average citizen to to fathom. Could you imagine having operations in your country running for decades but they're so classified that their existence is even classified. So because they're so classified and their existence is even classified, they are forced to come to fruition when the real monsters take into power like the Clintons. See, Bush 41 was a clown. And we'll get into his relationship with Nader. Because what people like to think is that George Nader was this dude. Do you understand what an intelligence asset is, is the question. An intelligence asset could be the old lady knitting on her front porch. It can be a professor at a university. It can be a businessman. It could be the assistant manager at Toys R Us. It can be a student. It can be anybody. An asset is an asset, period. Now, just how prominent they are is dependent on the work that they're executing, okay? So this is where we get into, I had already told you guys that William Barr had indeed rolled out of college straight into the CIA. Nobody talks about that. He worked in the 80s as the right-hand man or you would say the shadow of Bush 41 executing on behalf of Reagan. This is why I call Bush 41 a three-term president, not a one-term. Okay? Three-term, not a one-term. William Barr, when I tell you, is old guard. It is as old as it gets. He knows all the laundry. He knows the full setup. He knows the foundations that were created. So when we talk about super predators, he's the one that created the laws to allow for this super predator thing to be piloted by the Clintons. When we're talking about an agency that is so secret that it actually had to be declassified 
at the cusp of the Clintons. He was there. When assets were in trouble, arrested, convicted, he ensured that their cases are sealed as to keep the image of these assets because what harm they do is good enough in exchange for the good, in air quote, they do, especially regarding the Middle East. So Barr is the key to everything, and I said he's going to set the bar. Now, I would like to be wrong and say that he will not call for a secondary special counsel to be the middleman of getting all this information from the DNI, the CIA, FBI, and all other agencies in regards to this Russia probe. I want to be wrong. I want to say that his career from the late 70s into the 90s was similar to mine, per se. Where you watch and you do because you were told. And you keep your head down and you collect information. Make sure you have insurance. You make sure that if you have an attorney, you never send them anything. If you have a computer, you never store it on it. But you have it in the right hands and in the right places. For when it's needed, it can go back to, what did the president say? Paper ballots. Why change it when it works? So this is what you do. You make sure you have what you need in places you need to retrieve it when you need old school because you can't tag old school. So think, could Barr, that's a question. Could Barr indeed be morally centered as many others and how I like to see myself as a moral person, right? I mean, we all do. Where he executed, completed duties, did what he had to do because he had to do it. Because he believed that soon there would be someone that would facilitate the foundations for him to release it. For him to leash, unleash all that bottled up contempt. All that anger of the perversion of justice. The perversion of our constitution. The perversion against the people. The perversion against free human beings. Human beings have the right to free will. And free will is in essence what demonstrates the level of freedom you have. At this point in time in 2019, we may be running around without any visible chains. But are we really free when our thoughts and how we express them is hindered? Are we really free when they can tag you everywhere you are? Are we really free when they force you to be monitored? Those are all questions and you have to think. What happened in Costa Rica? Why did he allow it to happen? Was he just doing his job? Because there's a lot of people I would say, hypothetically speaking, that would be in a situation 
where something against your moral code, against any moral code in the universe, basically, according to yourself, considering your moral, happens. Crimes. Humans being second-rate. Those of a lesser god. Actions upon the masses. Where they're being excused as to the, well, they're just grass, we're the trees. So we can bloom and suffocate the grass because we need to grow. The grass is just there to support us. What makes them the stronger seed? Do Are you grass or are you a seed that takes risks to become a tree? Well, maybe Barr, like many other people, saw that we really don't have a choice per se because maybe we're forced to be in places of shade where grass that is not shade grass cannot grow. And shade grass can grow in the most hardest, I guess, areas. But grass that grows in the shade can also suffocate the tree that is causing their stunt. I'm trying to put it in a nice way. So I'll summarize. June 18th, middle, a little bit middle, just past the fortnight. A.G. Barr will show us where his bar is. So far, his trotting is indicating certain things. Is indicating some care and some collections. Alaska, Virginia, and so on. After the break, we'll analyze a little bit more what happened there with Barr. Well, we'll get into the meat of the United Kingdom. That'll bring us into the next hour. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So, you know, always here, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2, only on Red State. You can listen to me on terrestrial waves in 48 states where they stream me live, sometimes delayed. They just take my streams and put them on at other times. But I'm always here live giving you the news the way it is and the way it comes. So everybody knows how frowny I am about William Barr, how I've been very critical of him because, you know, that those are the facts. I'll give you another fact just so that you understand how old guard he is. So remember when Mueller was going on a rampage and how, whoa, George Nader, key star witness to Trump Russia hoax. Oh, geez, we got him in January of 2018. Do you guys remember that? Oh, it was a big deal. It was. Apparently, he was flying in to go meet the president in Mar-a-Lago, per his say. Could be so. Now, who's George Nader? Well, George Nader is a very dirty, dirty, dirty person. So, so dirty. But here's the thing. Nader is an asset. Nader, just like many others, is an asset. I want you guys to listen to a video, a video that I'm going to play, where they were talking about Eric Prince, which, by the way, Blackwater, right? Totally private security firm. Private security firm. That was to replace our troops in where? Idlib. Okay? To take care of the mercenaries, private firm, contractors, to take care of the mercenaries so we could pull our people out. And then suddenly this gas thing happened, right? Remember that? Gas thing happened. I want you to listen to a quick video. Waypo. Well, you can't listen to it. They didn't put it out there. Gosh darn it. Okay, so basically they're saying um, that special counsel Mueller 
has evidence that a secret meeting in January of 2017 happened. Okay. And in this meeting, there was an effort to create a back channel between President Trump and the Kremlin. This happened in 2017. And the talk included Eric Prince, a Russian official close to President Putin. Eric Prince told congressional investigators in 2017 that the meeting was unplanned. The secret meeting was held in Sahel's nine days before Trump took office. Well, hold on a second. Who organized that meeting? You guessed it. George Nader. That was unplanned. A witness told investigators that the meeting was set up in advance by a, that, um, by a Trump uh, transition representative uh, would meet and discuss future relations with the Moscow emissary. Now, hold on a second. During the transition period, as a quasi-official, your transition team can meet with any member of the government. They could, they, a foreign government, they could be Chinese, they could be Japanese, they could be Israeli, they could be UK, they could be Russian. Because remember, this whole false they did about General Flynn was General Flynn reaching out to Russia and saying, yo, not only Russia and others, yo, Barack Hussein Obama is pushing on this UN uh, security uh, vote to go against Israel. Can you delay that? Because we're getting into office in three weeks and, you know, we all got to work together, man. We're going into office and he's making long-term decisions. A couple days later, they talk again. And that is after Obama knew that General Flynn spoke with them and said, we need to stymie this because I don't know why he's ramping it up when there's an incoming administration. That's just wrong and out of order. Hey, whatever sanctions he puts, just, just you know, respond to it accordingly. Don't go over the top because we're coming into uh, the administration and we'll have discussions. We don't want the same relationship you have with them now. We need to put things on the table, put our cards out and see what's really going on. And at the moment, we're not getting what's really going on. Because remember, guys, how I told you that there was no defensive briefing? Well, I was right. There's a letter that was revealed because of all this noise about the defensive briefing. Well, it was done in August of 2016. Hillary Clinton got one. So did the Trump administration. Guess who gave it to him? Peter Strzok. Like, hold on a second, man. Peter Strzok, the guy that was compiling the dossier on Trump? The guy that flew around the world to activate assets to get more stuff on President Trump? That's the clown you sent to provide a defensive briefing? Well, did that clown tell him, hey, we're investigating you and all your friends. We're getting FISA warrants on you and all your friends. We have recordings on you and all your friends. No, he didn't. But Hillary Clinton did. So think about it while this information is coming forward. You know, we talk about Downer. We talk about Miss Bud. We talk about all these assets that are recognized because of their faces and who they interacted with. An asset is an asset. An asset can be a domestic asset. An asset can be a foreign asset, right? Asset is an asset, period. That means you do things for me without people knowing you do things for me. Now, sometimes assets are unmasked. Like now, we have a barrage of assets being unmasked tons and that's not normal policy because they're all part of the cia fbi see the cia is a farce the cia should have never been created we have other agencies that do the job of assets way better than they do we have agencies that don't even have record of employees that do jobs way better than they do why do we have the cia 
It's just a way to create that fourth branch of unelected government. That's it. That's the only thing it is. So anyway, so the bottom line is apparently the tra- someone in the transition team was going to be. And Wade Poe beefs up Lebanese-American businessman George Nader helped organize the meeting in Sejeles. Oh, did he now? So he organized this meeting, this guy, and he testified it before a grand jury as part of the probe into Russia's meddling in the 2016 election. Oh, did he now? (laughs) This is where Barr comes in, guys. He's coming. So Prince, who has the private security firm, uh, you know, uh, that took over military actions in the Middle East, has also been scorned to be, they're the ones that are the reason why our country seemed to abuse Iraq. So that private firm is responsible for all the atrocities against men, women, and children and during the Iraq war. So they stated that. This is the Waypo saying this, right? Waypo is saying this. They said that um, Eric Prince had uh, moved to the UAE in 2010, and he has very close ties to the royal family. All righty then. And, you know, he's Betsy DeVos. He never, first of all, Eric Prince never had a formal role um, uh, with the Trump administration when the meeting happened, none whatsoever. But apparently he presented himself as Trump's unofficial envoy to set it up, Nader, right? So Nader self-proclaimed himself Trump's envoy to set up, you know, this whole meeting, right, with all these people. And uh, apparently Eric Prince donated a quarter million dollars to a super PAC for Trump, a guy that owns a private security firm, you know, that's it. And DeVos is his sister, right? So that's a big deal. So everyone's like, oh, dear. Um, now, Prince denied that the meeting was intended in any way, form to be a back channel for Moscow and Trump. And even if it was, it doesn't matter because General Flynn already talked to them. We don't need him. Now, he said that he was, um, that he went as a private, private business, had nothing to do with the Trump administration. The point was putting him in that place at the same time. Kind of like George Papadopoulos. You, you were in the bar, man. That guy was there too, so you're guilty. And you're just like, what? Uh, How is that even right? So because I was in the same place for a business meeting as a businessman, not representing anyone but my business, I'm supposedly an envoy. What is going on here? So that's, that's the really, really weird thing. So then they went on to saying that the Russian oligarch, you know, uh, Dmitriev, uh, who is, who controls a hedge fund, I would say like a huge fund, right? He's like super uber rich and has like this really, really huge fund that he controls that is Russian controlled. Remember, Russia has no debt. So they have like a surplus of like $70 billion. So they have like cash. Like if the country had an ATM card, they could go and put it in and they take out cash. While every other single country on this planet is going to be pulling on an overdraft. You get what I'm saying? 
They have $70 billion worth of cash, which what do they do with it? They invest. Kind of like the way Russia invested $5 billion in Venezuela just a little while ago. With all this stuff happening in Venezuela, they're like, well, we're just going to come down there because we're friends. We're going to take 20 tons of gold, fly out. And now we're like, yesterday, they were like, all right, we're out of Venezuela, President Trump. We secured our investment. Speaking of gold, I wonder where all the gold has gone from my state. Just saying. Now, further going on. So what we have is George Nader setting up this meeting and he did all these things and he is like, you know, the man. Okay. Who is Nader? Nader came from Lebanon. All right. Uh, he came as a kid. Uh, he, um, started, uh, he founded this thing called, uh, the MEI, which is like the Middle East Insight. It was like a magazine just to talk, you know, about the Middle East politics there, which gave him the ability to frequently travel between the U S and the Middle East and have rapport with top U S politicians like from forever. Now here's the thing. How many immigrants do you know come in as teenagers and decide, I'm going to create a magazine where I talk politics of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, even though I'm Lebanese, Saudi Arabia, Israel, Egypt, Iran, Iraq, you know, all that stuff. Um, just out of the blue, they decide to do it. It doesn't really happen. Because if people pay attention to Nader's record, there was a time where he was going to, and this happens often, where someone joins the government either by way of military or maybe working at a city office and they're there for like half a year maybe. And then it's like they leave and then there's like this huge gap and then they just pop up again. During that gap, because Schiff has a very similar gap, is when they undergo training to become this wonderful thing called an asset. So in the 1980s, talking Reagan times. We're talking bar right-hand man of Bush 41 time. We're talking bars already been in the CIA times. We're talking maybe they went to the same school times. Well, he developed, Nader himself developed this amazing reputation of being the key negotiator when you want to talk Israel, Syria, Iran. I mean, it was just then, in 1978, when Peter Strzok's daddy overthrew the, the regime in Iran and installed the one that they have today, 40 years strong, right? And he was responsible for helping communication with the Hezbollah movement. Huh, very interesting. And he worked as one of the top advisors to the Arab League Geez, who is this dude from teenager, refugee, or migrant, whatever you want to call it, coming in from Lebanon to joining or not joining and then disappearing to suddenly being on top of the world with a magazine that came out of nowhere. Who funded it? Who? Question. To being one of the most reputable people that um, actually, you know, got a lot of things. He did a lot of traveling. He is one of those people, like many of us out there, that are curious people. Curious because 
They don't fit into a neat little box. It's never clear where they stand. You kind of see a podium that they stand on, but then you don't see the foundation, like what's holding that podium up. It's just a little bit, you know. So what one must understand is that while he was working, right, uh, with law enforcement, with President Bush 41, with A.G. Barr at the time, okay, because A.G. Barr was the right-hand man of Bush who then became his A.G., right? Okay, so we've got right-hand man, I'm the fixer, kind of like a Bolton, but a shadow Bolton. Think of it that way. That's what Barr was during the Reagan administration. And I call it the Reagan administration, even if we've all been through this before. It's really Bush 41. So he's the guy that worked for both Democrats and Republicans as like this envoy to the Middle East to sort stuff out. He was the fixer. He was the one that did all the negotiations. But he was also under a lot of scrutiny for some really disgusting things like kitty diddling. Child pornography. Sexual, gross sexual imposition on a minor. Yeah, all that. While working for presidents, vice presidents, attorney generals, and secretaries of state. Jeez. In the 70s, busted. While he was in training. And in 1985, a federal grand jury found him on two counts of bringing in child pornography or mailing it out. So, people need to understand that the charges, even though he was indicted, were dismissed before the trial ever came into fruition, ever was seen. Wait, who was president in 1985? Oh, yeah, that's right. And who was the fixer during 1985? Oh, gosh darn it. Wasn't that Barr? He was the fixer. Wasn't he working for them? Wasn't he their guy for everything? Iran-Contra, hello, Iran-Contra, who, please go to ToriSays.com, read, just type in the search bar, bar, B-A-R-R, and there'll be a few articles that pop up that will tell you a lot. Iran-Contra, I haven't analyzed that, but I want you to know what a key role George Nader played in that. Now, not only that, in 1988, after all this was done, right? So wait, first of all, he gets indicted. They get dismissed. Nobody hears about it. It's all hush-hush. And then suddenly, he became a U.S., full-fledged U.S. citizen while he was waiting to go to trial. What? While he was waiting to go to trial, which never went to trial because they dismissed it in the meantime. So imagine, hammer, nader. You are indicted by the federal grand jury for child pornography, for selling it, transporting it, flying it around, bringing it in, taking pictures and videos. You are in a lot of trouble. We will convene on a date for this trial. And then, you know, three days later, I swear to be, and Nader suddenly becomes a U.S. citizen. And then it's like, charges dismissed. What happened? Then in 1988, suddenly, uh, Nader... Got, you know, stuff sent to him in Cleveland that were um, pornography showing little boys. And when we're talking little guys, we're not talking 16-year-olds, right? We're talking no pubic hair boys. We're talking boys with milk teeth, right? Let's just make that clear. 
So this all happened while he was working for them. While he was working for them, for the Bush 41 three-term president, Reagan through Bush, throughout this whole intra-contra thing. This is who Mueller has as a star witness. Let's continue. So what happened is, other than that, in 1990, while Barr was AG, this is why I say we pay attention to details. Now, see, there's a lot of things that I will keep my mouth shut. You can snap a neck in front of me. You can probably, you know, and if you're like, you know, higher than me, you can cause atrocities that cause harm to governments as a mass. But when you violate something so sacred as, I mean, you know, I can't. I'm a sinner just like Barr. I can't criticize. Let's just leave that there. Bottom line is 1990. Nader flies in, coming in from the United Emirates, flying in after having discussions, flying in, and he had what? Videotapes with little boys undergoing sexual acts in his luggage hidden in a candy tin. He pleaded guilty to one count of transporting child pornography and served six months in federal custody at a local facility on work, um, work release records. Now, um, this was happening while he was working with James Baker. Who is James Baker? James Baker was the Secretary of State, you guys. The Secretary of State. How disgusting that James Baker would applaud and say how awesome, how awesome he is. How amazing he was and how much he offered the United States of America. I think I have him recorded. Let me see. Can we see if this works? Pretty sure. It doesn't want to work for me. Gosh darn it. That kind of sucks. So there are a few tweets that I put out where... Jake Tapper and all these people have talked to the former Secretary of State under Bush 41. And there are statements uh, recorded of how important of a role he played for them when it came to relations. It's pretty interesting. I want you guys to listen to a video where he introduces... Mufak Alaf during Middle Middle East peace talks. Take a listen to George Nader. President of President of Middle East Inside. And on behalf of our organization, I'd like going on with the connection this is from 1992 who was president then of our organization I'd oh, it's like it doesn't want to play anymore really doesn't want to play this is from 1992 where he's introducing him this is the guy that was tried he was charged in 1991 for bringing in child pornography into the airport and guess what that case was sealed. Now, who would who would have the authority to seal such a case? Who was AG then? That's right. It was Barr. 
And, you know, I know another publication likes to take credit for this, but I was the one that probed in 2018 asking the court, well, hold on a second, man. This was sealed temporarily for reasons that the Department of Justice found suitable for six months. That was to hide it from the media and just let it go, right, with no announcement. So why is it that from 1991 until 2018, it still hasn't been unsealed? Do you know what I was told? Well, I, I, I really don't know. Obviously, another publication took credit for that. I'm okay with it. I really don't care as long as the truth comes out, right? That's the way it is. Now, another thing is, is that when he was in um, Czech Republic, he was charged and jailed for 10 counts of sexual gross imposition on children. Disgusting. Makes you sick yet? This is the guy. This is the guy Mueller put on a pedestal. This is the guy they had court our future president. This is the guy that had secrets so far buried. How is the Trump administration going to find it? Like when they want to vet for someone, how are they going to find that Nader was charged when it's sealed? Everything was sealed. It's disgusting. It is just horrible. It's completely horrible. That anyone would think that that is how they wanted to frame our president. They forget that this is the guy who would hang out and rub elbows with President Clinton at Epstein's Island. They forget, though, that our president is in the United Kingdom. And I kind of tell you what I think the conversation went like. Hey, yo, I'd like to see Assange. I need you to show me the intelligence and how, out of our fusion centers, this stuff went out. Remember that word, fusion centers, coming up in the next hour. Oh, and I need to know all this. Well, why would we do that? Okay. Nader's arrested. Nader suddenly shows up after he flees the country, knowing that Mueller, for insurance, filed charges. Because when he flew in in January of 2018, guess what? He had more child porn. Like, is this guy insane? Why does he have porn with him everywhere he goes when he's been caught every single time? Because he's above the law. Mueller filed charges to say, hey, Nader, you can go, but I'm going to file charges, so don't come back. If I was Nader and I came back, why would I come back a year later? Because what? I guarantee you Nader's the insurance guy. Nader's got all the insurance, man. He's got all of it. And suddenly announcing, hey, Nader's been arrested at the airport and we've indicted him. He came into JFK. Why in the world would he come back? And then it's like, hey, Theresa May, want to think about it? Oh, let's talk later. And today's talk in the United Kingdom made it clear the president put the ball in our court hardcore. And in the next hour, you'll understand exactly where he's going tomorrow and how we won. I mean, we'll do everything to protect Prince Andrew, right? Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, 
foreign and domestic. Unfiltered News. Real News. Welcome back to the Tory Says Show. Thanks for tuning in. And this is where things get heated up. So you know exactly how Nader is an asset and super above the law. And you have to wonder, if your asset's a creep and he's diddling with little children, enjoying moments of having on electronic devices and back then VHS tapes, etc., of little boys getting it on, why would you cover for him? He's a monster. And obviously he hasn't learned his lesson when you gave him a pass in the early 80s. Obviously he hasn't learned his lesson in the 90s. And in the 90s it was crazy. It was crazy. Because if you actually look at the court documents, there was a 1992. Remember, Barr, during the time of the hearing, was Attorney General. I say it again. This was sealed. There was a guy named Glazer who wrote a letter saying that he is a personal friend of President Ronald Reagan and an advisor and confidant to Israel's prime ministers. Obviously, this guy's dead now, five years in the hole. But he supposedly said that Nader met with Israeli intelligence officials and leaders of Hezbollah helping in hostage release efforts. You mean after the mess we made in Iran in 1978, thanks to Peter Strzok's daddy and Brennan training at the time, training at the time, you know, because Peter Strzok went to school in Iran, right? So after all this, he was the envoy guy. He was the guy. It says the Israeli intelligence people have their own sources in Lebanon they assure me that George's contact with the heads of Hezbollah at this moment was the best possible opportunity for exchange. Just so you know, this guy was under trial for having sex with little boys, for having videos of little boys being tortured, sexually abused, and they let him travel. The judge let him travel. He was allowed, he pled guilty, but he was allowed to go to Beirut Moscow and all this about U.S. hostages and getting it out and his Middle Eastern diplomacy. And he's been allowed because it would compromise the mission. It is disgusting. Think about it. That the judge even said that he was giving consideration to his sentence because he considered his extraordinary cooperation with the government in certain areas. The what? Morality of the judge, please. Hello? Morality check. Where's this judge? This federal judge. Not only that, in 1998, James Baker, who was Secretary of State for President Bush at the time, 41, during his prosecution, he publicly thanked Nader for his work in a speech that he gave to Nader's organization after he was found guilty and his crime was sealed by Barr. He specifically said, early on in the Bush administration, early on in the Bush administration, you mean when he was officially president because he was acting like president under Reagan, okay? 
George Nader did some very discreet work for us of a humanitarian nature having to do with then ongoing crisis over the taking of hostages, American citizens as a hostage. And George worked very closely and very discreetly with us on that. The bottom line is, okay, you got away with it. Intra, the Iran-Contra, MENA, you all got away with it. You played us all like a fiddle because you think the media is free. Elon Musk told you who you think owns the press. I'll tell you how there's only one intelligence agency that knows everything. Everyone be like, it's the NSA. No, it's not. So anyway, going on it. So who's this Nader? He's a pervert. He's a child molester, a sexual predator, a pedophile. He has all this. All these charges against him. And then he decides to fly into the country yesterday out of all days while the president is going to dine with the queen. Knowing. Because, look, if Reagan, Bush, and Barr were all covering for him. And he knew that Mueller had an indictment out on him from the month after he fled the United States. Because the media was like, oh my God, look, Trump's, you know, associate ran away from the country before we could indict him. <laughs> but he came back. <laughs> a year later, and somewhat, he came back. A year later, he came back after Mueller resigned, after it was closed, and on the day the president was meeting with the royal families. So how'd that conversation go? Why would we do that, Trump? Okay. News breaks. Nader arrested a JFK on the indictment of child pornography. Child pornography that we found on an unrelated subpoena that Mueller caught him at the airport in 2018. Oh, and guess what? We found more child porn. I wonder what that child porn has. Because one thing you have to think about is insurance agents have a lot of evidence What if the child pornography he came back with was evidence? I mean, you don't want to be a fugitive for the rest of your life when you're a guy like George Nader who flies to islands, who owns islands. Yeah, you know, they make islands now. You know that. You don't want to be hunted down. You want to make a deal. So that breaks, and it's like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to Portsmouth. Let's talk about England. Because y'all know that I lived there for a while. I even married an amazing Brit. A guy that's totally not like me. guy that I've been with, wow, for almost half my life. Pretty incredible, right? He's British. I loved England. I loved London. And, you know, I love to travel. So, England, Portsmouth. Let's talk about Portsmouth. So, let's talk about fusion centers. So, what is a fusion center? When you think of fusion cuisine, fusion Asian fusion cuisine, what does that mean? It means that it's Asian, in, Asian cuisine inspired with, I don't know, French. Okay, or Asian cuisine inspired with, I don't know, Greek, right? It's fusion. It means it's a collaboration. It's a mesh. Hmm. Interesting, right? Very interesting. See, there's a lot of things that happen in fusion places, right? 
fusion. And one of the biggest fusion spaces and places are in Portsmouth. Portsmouth, the United Kingdom. I've been there many, many times. We have a lot of U.S. military troops there. But one thing that is you know, that exists in these fusion centers is information. It is the center of Five Eyes. It is the center of what is who and who and what is going on within the EMEA, that would be Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Center, 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 center. Portsmouth is one of the largest fusion centers you'll ever come across. We've got tons of people there from all over the world. We have Russians, we have Saudis, and you know, one would say, well, it's five eyes, right? Well, you know, not really. See, fusion centers aren't just our five eyes allies. There's more. There's a lot more. We don't just have our five eyes allies there. We have a lot more. Specifically, in England, we have sensitive, compartmented information centers across the globe. In the United States. In the United Kingdom. In Australia, Japan. Korea, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, yeah, all of those. (laughs) Where Homeland Security works, where our agencies work. And you would say, well, Portsmouth? Hmm. Yeah, that's where MIFC is. And it's called the Maritime Intelligence Fusion Cell. Oh, what a fancy name, a fusion cell. What goes on there? What goes on in a fusion center? See, fusion centers exist domestically too. There's local ones, primary fusion centers, and recognized fusion centers according to Homeland Security. Now this goes hand in hand with the trust you have in the agencies in the state. Like for example, in my state, because they're so corrupt. They only have a North Dakota state local intelligence center which is kind of like a satellite BS office because they don't trust them. (laughs) But um, you have to understand that it is typically a center that provides information sharing and analysis domestically of the entire state. But what does the maritime intelligence fusion cell have? Oh, it has all those places that are of sensitive compartmented information Merging together under one roof. Pearl Harbor is one area. Virginia, we already know. Right? We already know that. We've got Germany. We've got Japan. Yokosuka, right? We've got um, uh, Korea. San Diego. Oh, wait a minute. South Carolina, right? Those are... Places. Oh, and of course the Pentagon. But these are the states where we have central commands. Central U.S. commands. The United Kingdom has uh, five of them. There's 
the Europe Regional Service Center, and that's in Molesworth, UK. The Joint Analysis Center, again in Molesworth, UK. The Maritimes Operations Center, Fleet November 2, Northward, UK. Ministry of Defense and Maritime Center of London. But then we have the Maritime Intelligence Fusion Cell in Portsmouth. Pretty interesting. So interesting. Do you remember when all those clowns like Brennan, Comey, Clinton, Obama, they all traveled? They all went to this place called Potts Point in Australia. Do you guys remember that? Potts Point and Bungadore, Australia. I mean, if people look out Instagram, there's people that found pictures. It can't be that secret. Obama's very flamboyant, you know. Well, over there, that's where the Australian centers are at Potts Point and Bungendore. Actually, the headquarters for the Joint Operations Command is in Bungendore. Interesting, isn't it? So, so interesting. But we need to focus on Portsmouth right now. Because the president said that tomorrow he's going to Portsmouth. So think just how nicely coordinated this UK state visit is. It's right before Theresa May gets the boot because she didn't listen to Trump. Because she wasn't strong enough to stand up to the bullies. Right? It was the day yesterday that he had dinner with the queen when they said, why would we do that? And embarrass ourselves. All right. Do you want to save Prince Andrew? Because guess what? Prince Andrew was with George Nader. Guess what? George Nader likes child porn. Lots of it. George Nader was with Prince Andrew at Epstein's Island. Oh dear, I wonder what George Nader brought back with him when he flew back knowing he was going to jail. Suddenly, we're going to Portsmouth. Oh, and it's supposedly because we're going to go do some D-Day celebration, right? How nicely timed when you all can't see that it's part of the plan. This is how you do it. They take the bait and they follow through because they have no choice. Because the ball is in our court. Wow. Imagine if he's got stuff on Prince Andrew. Imagine how he negotiated all these deals. Imagine when all of that comes out. And gosh darn it, Barr. You know all about it. So where are you at? You're out in Alaska. I've told you guys how I've been to Barrow, Alaska, right? Totally remote place. No trains, no buses, no cars can take you there. Western coast of Alaska, pretty interesting place. I've always told my husband, you know, when our next kid ships out, maybe we should look into moving to Alaska. Maybe we should move into, you know, a place where we have, I guess, what one would say, peace and quiet and one with the wilderness. But you'll be surprised what kind of wild things run around in Alaska. Speaking of Alaska, when Barr was there, Trudeau was also chit, 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 chit. With who? That drunk guy that I played the video about yesterday who was complaining how the press is avoiding him. Hey, man, you've been avoiding me. Remember that thug swinging his, you know, side to side? One of those loser thugs. It's like those, you know, street thugs that have lost all credibility, but he's still got a little bit of power for some reason, but nobody really knows why. Yeah, that one. Who, by the way, remember, what did I say? 
there are, hold on, let me remember. There's one, two, three, four, four. Four specific sensitive compartmented information centers. Guess where? In Hawaii. Oh, where's that clown from? Yep. Yeah, that's right. I want people to understand that things are not as they seem. Things have already been planned out. And I am one that likes facts. I like facts. I like to follow. I totally love dressing them up, putting on lipstick, ruffles, perfume, you name it. I am a sucker for that. But the bottom line is, what does the story tell you? What do the facts tell you? Think of it as a puzzle. Put it together. I mean, out of all days, Nader arrives. It's between tea with that snake Camilla and Prince, if you want to call him Charles, right? And our president. And the dinner with the queen. It's like in between those two times. That that time that it was announced, he was arrested out of all days. Go figure. Go figure. And then today, he announces that he's going to Portsmouth, which is the hub for sharing intelligence. Hub of sharing intelligence. Mm. And I think I have this nice little clip where President Trump kind of said, I am not going to be sharing intelligence anymore if... Um, Jeremy Corbyn is the one who comes forward. There it is. Here we go. Take a listen to what President Trump said about Jeremy Corbyn if he becomes PM. Jeremy Hold on. What is going Corbyn, on? the left-wing leader of the Labour Party, he's refusing to come to the Queen's state banquet for you. Uh, he says he wants to meet you to discuss climate change and a lot of other things. Are you offended by the fact, or should the Queen be offended no, by the fact offended. he's not coming? No, I'm not. I'm not offended. I don't know, Mr. Corbyn. I, I wouldn't be offended at all by that. Well, I think then he's, uh, you know, that he's probably making a mistake, because I think he'd want to get along with the United States. Somebody said he, want, he would like to meet me. Uh, I don't know anything about going to a dinner or not going to a dinner, but I know he wants to meet me. So that was what... Um the Sun said was a statement by the president saying that he would stop sharing vital intelligence with the UK if Jeremy Corbyn becomes prime minister. It says, the president of the United States said he'd want to get to know him first before he made the call. In an interview with the Sunday Times, President Trump said that the labor leader was making a mistake by not endearing himself to the US given the five countries' links on intelligence and military secrets. He was asked whether he would continue secret intelligence sharing under Mr. Corbyn's government. And guess what? He said, if he ever gets to number 10, he said, I would have to know him. I would have to meet him. I don't know him, but I would certainly, before I would answer that question, I would have to get to know him a bit. So this is what the president said. I'd have to know who this guy is before we start talking about intelligence. And where is president going? Tomorrow, to Portsmouth, where one of the biggest, and it's called a fusion cell, okay? Fusion cell, where you would think it's just five eyes, but we've got Saudi Arabia, we've got Russia, we've got China. We've got so many there. And a lot of people are like, what? What are you talking? Yes, 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 yes. Portsmouth. 
Those of you that have served in the Air Force or the Navy know what Portsmouth is. That's like ghost town, right? All the spooks. So out of all days, the state visit is now. We've got D-Day. Great excuse to go to Portsmouth, right? Great excuse. I wouldn't put it past our president. Maybe putting eyes on Assange there. And this is coming from sources, beyond sources, beyond sources. But it is a possibility that we may have some nice eyes falling on things. And aside from them handing over things, this is where we can really see how the assets were more mobilized and how they weren't. But I tell you something here now. Even going down there at this time, I would consider it kind of similar to that of Hillary Clinton's server. Remember how she never gave her server to the FBI? Remember how she could image her server and provide it, which is selective, um, you know, providing information selectively because you can choose to omit things. The concerns that I have is that if the right people from the right agency in the United States, which we'll be talking about uh, in the next half hour, aren't there to put eyes on it, that have already had eyes on it, that they may indeed just image and provide some form of compromise. See, it's all about image. And now that we have Prince Andrew, they can only imagine what else we have. I mean, with all this talk about deep fake videos, you'll be surprised what an insurance agent like Nader has. The one that will actually break them. Well, this is why they're going nuts about bringing John Dean to talk about how he brought down Nixon, how Nixon obstructed justice based on his lies, 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 and more lies, and took down an administration that was actually trying to do their job. But the problem was Nixon was only there to serve as a lesson for President Trump. Nixon tried. He thought he knew enough after what happened with the intervention of JFK. It was an intervention. Something in Pelosi is asking for too. But when you see a man like Nixon, who was in on the in at that time when technology wasn't at the level it is now, fail so miserably. A man like President Trump pays attention. A man who was willing to put his life on the line to fix it, pays attention. Sometimes the mistakes and the mishaps of those before us are what make us succeed in the future. My failures I wear as a badge and as a reminder to ensure that my children do not have that failure. That is how we work. The wars that are lost in history are lost to teach us how not to lose them again. That's all about strategy. You know how you hear in movies, oh, don't have his death, you know, be in vain. You know, like if you're trying to escape from somewhere and some guy sacrifices him, I'm going to stay here and block this and you guys go ahead. 
you want to survive because then he was just a chump that got eaten by the alien or the predator or whatever, and you tripped and fell or sat in the corner and started crying. His death is in vain. Well, Nixon's fall, JFK's assassination, and then Nixon's fall could be left in vain too. I mean, think about it. Nixon is one of the best lessons. Watergate, best lessons for anyone going forward. If JFK's intervention wasn't enough to show that the fourth unelected branch of government is really in control, and if Nixon's command of this fourth unelected branch that failed wasn't enough, then I don't know what is. Because all you have to do sometimes, like I said, is pay attention, listen, learn, take notes. Because there will be a time when you can bring that forward. I mean, you see a lot of that happening around, right? There's so much of that on the internet, right? Asking questions, pointing out facts. You know, there's a saying in Greece, when someone's not in line, hey, you're not in line, change the part of your hair. It's called alexehoristra. That's a saying, that's a Greek saying. Comb your hair. Because if you comb it to the other part, you shift the narrative. Now, after this break, we're going to talk about this confirmations that are going on in the background and how important they are to the actual agency that is really leading these efforts. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it? the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978-Guaranteed-life-insurance-with-no-medical-exam-Sounds-great-right-even-better-your-rates-will-never-increase-and-benefits-will-never-decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. And here's where the nitty-gritty gets to go. So like we've discussed, A.G. Barr's role in the past, what role he may play in the future, is all going to be depicted. It's going to depict who Barr really is. Is he one of those people that paid attention, listened, understood, put his head down, and did what he did and excused what he did or not do or just simply stood there in silence with hopes that in the future there will be a time to bring it all through or is he the last defense that they have? That's the question everyone should be asking. What is Barr's role? I've told you who he is. I've told you how he's covered for all of them. But you know, his globe-trotting his access to things. Now, earlier in the show, during the first half, uh, half hour of my first hour, I said that there were certain things done preemptively in anticipation of 9-11. Those are really strong and terrifying words that one may say with something that is so dear to many of us. Because it gives us the understanding that maybe indeed those crazy tinfoil hats may have been right. Unbeknownst to many, there is an agency that has the largest budget of our nation, yet has zero federal workforce. Zero. This agency is made up only of contractors. Why? Because it's of outmost national security efforts. Not only national, but global. And you have to think about it. Human nature in itself, okay, creates this feeling of the need to survive. And it has a feeling to protect. Don't we all have that innate feeling from when we were kids, even if it was a spider outside, to be like, maybe I shouldn't step on the ant in the anthill. Oh, I need to protect it. That's human nature. That's what makes you human. Not only the DNA, but that's what makes you human. You've heard it many, many times before, how to be human is to err, right? (laughs) To make mistakes. Even those that are guided 
make mistakes. Even those that have set paths, missions, life plans handed to them still make mistakes. Well, the biggest mistake our nation ever made was the creation of the Central Intelligence Agency. It was the biggest mistake ever made when it was created in 1947. It's headquartered, guess where? The George Bush Center for Intelligence in Langley. Though one has to give merit that Eisenhower, who was an army general and a statesman that served after its formation, did one thing to make sure, based on what he knew, and the treaties that he signed to ensure that human errors are indeed human errors by the sake of just having an error and not directed malicious intent. So Eisenhower, having signed treaties during his time, having overseen and understood the CIA better than everyone, created an agency, an agency on his way out that indeed reports to people like Coates, but isn't in effect to report. Now, the only reason he reports or this agency reports to Coates is through discussions, okay, of... uh, how do I put this anticipation of things to come? So this agency was so secret that your name identifying information has never been recorded. If you were recruited before 2001, it was in 2000 and in 1999, guess which clown started it though? Obviously Clinton that This agency's existence slowly in the 70s, thanks to Nixon, well, not thanks to him. Nixon didn't want it out, but they used Nixon. They used Watergate to find it. Suddenly, this agency that was never on the books, that had the biggest budgets, that Eisenhower created with a special national security meeting, a special one with magical eyes, they sat down and created it meeting with the Air Force. And they created this agency in such secrecy that if you or I were hired before January of 2001, we are nowhere on the books. And yet you can still work without being on the books because the law came later. There was actually, they were forced to specifically do the following. And it was an action that was to be implemented almost immediately from being proposed with the new house in 2001 to create counterintelligence issue files. This would have everybody's name, date of birth, country, action officer, point of contact, AKA handler dates uh, when they were received into the program 
and the status of any cases or any investigative materials they use. But here's the cool thing. This agency is so massive and so secretive that it was in 1992 under Clinton, of course, that the agency's name was revealed and declassified. The NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office of the Department of Defense. The NRO is like, think of, you know how people's like, oh yeah, you know, you don't want to say that on the phone because there's going to be like black cars popping out of anywhere. Yep, it's the men, women, and black out there. They are tightly joint with the Air Force. This agency was forced to create a database for their employees. So those, in anticipation of those actions that Clinton was pursuing from 1995 and onwards, the recruitment efforts for contractors were huge. They were plucking people everywhere and putting them everywhere, like in fusion cells, like in places everywhere. And it's not because they wanted humans everywhere to live free and have free will, but they wanted them to be able to keep an eye out, kind of like guardian angels, right? (laughs) That's what we want to call it, guardian angels. And here's where we get to this obfuscation. While we're distracted with the United Kingdom, while we're distracted by the House Democrats, and they're distracted too, the Department of Defense is moving along on confirmations for Space Force, which is now merging with the National Reconnaissance. Pretty interesting that the NRO is merging with Space Force. And I want to play a clip, I'm going to find it now, where they talk with General Raymond, who's testifying, and Dr. Scalise, where they talk about what they want to do. And I can tell you specifically that he's pretty eager. Time is of essence. Operations are a channel. And we need acquisitions. What acquisitions are they regarding to? He's going to be running Space Force. Hmm. General Raymond said, we need to redefine the combined center without fusion cells. Five Eyes, including France, Germany, and Japan, where we war game together. International sharing agreements with countries across the planet that are not Five Eyes are being negotiated. And if I get confirmed, says General Raymond, if I get confirmed, this is something that I will work hard, and I guess my work with NASA at some point will assist in that. 4,000 satellites in space, 1,800 in operation. Visit. Huge EU satellite that's so huge, so massive, that collision may be considered a problem. Like I told you guys yesterday, when you look up at the sky, don't be silly, don't be doff. They're not all stars you're seeing. We're congested with satellites. Do you remember when Erasat, Erasat crashed with the Russian satellite and there was like debris and all this stuff and everyone's like freaking out? Let's just say, yeah. They collided, fair enough, whatever. The thing is, this is what was being discussed today while everyone was being distracted with rubbish. 
so much, though, for, to both of you for your service. I really appreciate it and your testimony. Um, General Raymond, I do want to follow up a little bit with what uh, Senator Shaheen uh, talked about with the Guard units. As you are sure are aware, especially having uh, spent so much time down at Maxwell Air Force Base, we've got some Guard and Reserve units in Alabama that are doing some critical space-based missions. And um, in October, you issued a memo um, about prioritized Air Force Reserve components in which you indicated a desire to allocate space control squadrons into the Guard. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that and what you what your plans might be for those Guard units, kind of incorporating what, uh, just kind of following up more information on what so, Senator Sheen said. So in my, current, in my current role as the Air Force Space Command Commander and in the Joint Force Space Component Command Commander, we operate um, space control capabilities. On the active duty side, they're uh, very limited in numbers. And so we were seeking to increase the capacity. I think it's a perfect mission for the Guard to do. We've expanded that mission set uh, to four different Air National Guard squadrons today uh, over this past year. And we'll, as we, uh, and this is one of the benefits of having, again, elevating space to a unified uh, combatant command. As, you, as we develop those requirements for those capabilities uh, with our geographic combatant command partners, and we look to build capacity. I think there's more room to be, there will be more requirements that the Guard will be able to operate. All right. So, of course, we're going to have it on the reserve and on the Guard. It's not every day you go in space, right? Uh, as, as this, the whole Space Command um, gel, so to speak, you're going to have to, you're going to be looking at headquarters and different things. What, what is the, uh, what's the requirements, what criteria are you looking at for a permanent establishment of the Space Command headquarters? What criteria? Yes, yes sir. So um, as you look at the planning that's, that STRATCOM has led uh, for, the, for the establishment of this, of this command, there's really four big mission areas that, that the command will be focused on, four priorities up front. And obviously we'll work um, with the chain of command if confirmed and with this committee to, to help shape those priorities. But the four priorities going, in, uh, going into it would be to deter uh, a deterrence. We don't want to get into a fight that extends into space. To be able to, de to deliver, to deliver capabilities to the joint warfighter, to be able to defend and protect and defend those capabilities, and then to be, be able to develop warfighters. And that developing warfighters is, is a two-part. Two Wait a minute. Are we, like, talking Star Wars stuff? Are you paying attention? This is where nobody is paying attention. And the thing is, you can't say, hey, uh, we didn't tell you because it's right there. Part uh, challenge. You have to develop a, a space warfighting uh, ethos in our space, or a warfighting ethos in our space operators, and you have to develop with what you and I might consider more uh, uh, well-established joint warfighters that also have an understanding of space. And so, those four areas is how this command would be uh, designed to get after those, principally those four. Uh, priorities up front. All right. Thank you, General. Dr. Scalise, uh, I take it that you are uh, a believer that the NRA, NRO should stay separate from uh, and independent from other space entities like Space Force. Would that be correct? Yes, sir. I, I uh, follow what's in SPD4 at this stage of the game and recognize that there's a 180-day study that's ongoing that's going to talk or develop a better understanding of what that relationship needs to be. All right. From your perspective, uh, are there uh, obviously intelligence plays a, a unique role, but are there other reasons? Uh, in as you sit here today, uh, 
that you believe it's important why the NRO should maintain, while having a great relationship, um, which is critical, but also an independent relationship from the Space Command? Okay, before I continue, are you guys paying attention? So this super top secret agency Eisenhower created on his way out after multiple treaties that he signed, after observing what the CIA's actual implementation was, this ultimate secret agency that was exposed and declassified in 1992, that was preemptively in case of 9-11, forcing them, Clinton started this, to register all their contracts. They have no federal employees. Anyone you see that works at the NRO is a placeholder. There are no federal employees. And what strikes me odd here is that what they want to do is bring the NRO in. Why? Because they want their federal contractors. They want the database. They want it all. Because the NRO was created with the Air Force. That, in essence, had its own branch of the so-called Space Force. And it's high intelligence. And, you know, the recruiting was so aggressive, targeting young, bright people in the 90s before they were forced to, by executive orders, by this fourth unelected branch, to document, document every single individual going forward. So listen to this. Certainly the, uh, the, the role of the NRO is to develop and acquire uh, systems uh, for others to use the, the results from. Uh, and I believe that uh, if confirmed, one of the, the best ways to, to do that is to have a, uh, several organizations that are developing capabilities and technologies so that we can achieve the best for the nation. But that requires... Uh, close coordination to assure that there isn't duplication uh, and that we're taking advantage of each another's capabilities. Uh, so in addition to the, the multiple organizations that the NRO supports, uh, I think the, the, the independence and the ability to coordinate with other organizations is also critical. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you both for your service and congratulations. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Jones. Senator Tillis. General Raymond, thank you for being here. Mr. Scalise, you as well. Thank you for your continuing service. General Raymond, uh, it was about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, that General Dumford did, a, 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 I think, a good job of describing what we're trying to do with almost creating an analog within the Air Force similar to what we have with the Marines and the Navy. Um, Do you think that that, that that's uh, an interim step towards a completely separate force, or do you think that that's the best direction to take this focus on the space domain? On the on the excuse me on the uh, topic of a space force, um, I am very comfortable, and I appreciate very much uh, the diligence that this committee has put on this topic. It's of extreme important to our na- importance to our nation. Uh, I feel it's absolutely the right thing to do to stand up and establish a space force. Um, And I I absolutely think it's the right thing to do to establish that underneath the the Department of the Air Force. I I think it helps uh, reduce the bureaucracy that would be required if you went separate. What about the the 
the sort of organizational rationalization that we need to do. It's not like we're not paying attention to space now. You mentioned in your opening comments that you feel like we are in a superior position, although I personally believe that the gap is narrowing. Uh, so it's not like we're not paying attention to that domain. It's just embedded in, in various other agencies and areas within DOD. So as a part of standing that up, how much work do we have to do to rationalize tasks that may be completed elsewhere that need to be consolidated under that, uh, under that entity? I think one of the things that General Dunford talked about when he was here on the 11th of April was that singularity of focus. I think that's really important that you have a commander that comes to work every day focused on that domain. I think in, in, if you look at Goldwater Nichols and the, the, the two functions, the function that I'm here for uh, today is a U.S. Space Command, uh, but on the Space Force side, that's, uh, that's the organized training and equip. And I think singularity of focus for both of those functions will be, will be important. Now on the command that you're taking control of, uh, I, I, you don't necessarily need to uh, respond to this question, just more or less take it on as a part of your mission. You're running a large, complex operation that develops and acquires uh, sophisticated tools for you to complete your job. I hope that you'll spend, while you're trying to figure out the best capabilities uh, for us to maintain our position of superiority, I hope you'll spend a lot of time on the plumbing, the acquisition processes, the prototyping processes, the timelines that we need to uh, field these capabilities so that we drive cost out of the administrative processes so that we can put more of our money, uh, which is never enough, into the capabilities that we need to keep our nation safe. So that's just really a charge for you to look at. If, if confirmed, Senator, I, I will do that. It, to get to your point that you, you said our, uh, you felt our operational advantage was eroding or shrinking, uh, we have to move fast, and that acquisition piece is a critical piece of it. Thank you. Mr. Scalise, do you have any family members here? I do. My wife is here with me. Yeah. I, I didn't remember you introducing her during the uh, uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because this is where it gets Thank juicy. you, Mr. Chair. Thank you to the witnesses. Congratulations, Dr. Scalise. Thank you for being with me last week as we were together at the NASA Wallops facility. That was a very impressive visit. That's Tim King. I want to ask a question about allies, and I want to ask a question about rules. And so the allies question, I'm going to come to General Raymond. Dr. Scalise, I'll come to you about rules. So um, space is a domain, just like land and sea are a domain, and we are engaged all the time in activities with allies in land, sea, and air domains. We're doing joint exercises and joint training, and we've got a kid in the Marines who's been deployed twice with the militaries of other nations in exercises. I'm curious if, if we could talk a little bit about allies in space. Uh, China and Russia are competitors. China and Russia are doing more things together. They just did land exercises together um, on the Russia-China border. Uh, as adversaries, they reach form they could be more formidable when they combine. Talk a little bit about in the space domain, what are we doing together with allies, General Raymond? Thank you. It's, it's a really, really critical, uh, critical question, Senator, and it's, it's a, a focus area that we've been focused on for the last several years. We historically have not had those partnerships that we've needed in space. I'll tell you today, we operate uh, capabilities uh, together in our command and control center, we actually renamed it or redefined it as a combined space operations center. So we have our five eyes partners, Canada, UK, mm -hmm. Australia, located with us in our C2 center. We are also what? developing partnerships, very close partnerships with uh, France, Germany, and Japan. Uh, we exercise together, we train together, we war game together. Um, we, have, we have taken our professional development.
development courses um, that we that we use to develop our warfighters, and that we've expanded the Allied participation in that. Uh, and so we have international sharing agreements, uh, relationships with with where we share space situational awareness data with countries around the globe. Uh, and so it's a it's a big focus area. I don't want to declare victory. I want to mm-hmm. say that we've made some significant progress. So I'm going to stop it right there because it's coming to the end of the show. What I'm trying to point out to you is that we have the NRO that a lot of people don't know about that actually has no employees, that has some center somewhere in Virginia where, you know, when you go there, it seems like it's Stepford Wives Central. Um, No one really talks. Uh, Most of the people there that you'll find, uh, which is, you know, in Chantilly, are bureaucrats, uh, paper pushers. And they push paper post-2001. So what you have to pay attention to is what he just said. Our allies, the inter-sharing agreements, and how the NRO is coming up. Where it's coming up. It's a covert agency that existed for 30 years without anyone identifying its existence at all. And through the Clinton administration was unmasked and then further pushed to document their contractors because it's solely made up of contractors. And now with the Space Force, which they're kind of trying to make it like a Marine unit to the Air Force because the NRO was created with the Air Force based on other agreements that Eisenhower had. See, the technology that we have and what we think we have today is beyond your wildest imagination. And the president tomorrow will be going to Portsmouth to see exactly how good they are at covering up the technology that we believe is most superior. In the name of free thought, freedom, of course. Because every human being has the innate right of free will. They're not just manufactured bio-entities, right? That's the way it is. So just to understand, the NRO is a legendary organization of the space age from the 60s. The NRO is how Five Eyes was built. And you'd be surprised how much we already have. Tomorrow we'll have more news after the president gets with the people at Portsmouth. Until then, I want to wish you a wonderful evening. God bless, and I'll see you here tomorrow live, 12 to 2, on Red State Talk Radio. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.